Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, welcome back to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today we have another amazing guest. Please welcome Adrienne Gallia. She is a lifelong creative entrepreneur turned business consultant to service-based businesses. After performing, after her performing arts studio grew to have multiple locations with more than 200 students and 20 plus staff, she realized that as business owners, we can do anything, but we can't do everything. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to hear your money story, your journey, and all the things, the roller coaster rides you took with money. So tell us, how did you get started? I mean, being a creative going into business, that's a pretty big shift. What made you yeah. jump? Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, it's a, you know, most creatives, that's that's sort of the the cognitive dissonance is of being a creative business owner is most creatives, especially because I was in the performing arts world, were not naturally business people. And I realized, well, I started really young. Like when I was 12, I started my first two businesses and they were both created. One was a piano studio. One was coding websites. And I learned as I grew older that lots of creatives don't have that sense of how to market and how to strategize and how to, and that just sort of has always been very second nature to me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've sort of always ridden both sides of, of that fence where I really love both worlds. And now as a business coach, I utilize both of those things, but in a, it's almost backwards where it's more about the strategy and then bringing in the creative side of it. Whereas before it was like, it was all creative, but then I had the strategy behind it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it's so amazing to be able to use your gifts and talents as young as 12. I like to say I was a babysitter. <laughs> I used to make lots of money babysitting. It was a dollar an hour back in the 70s. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I, had the, I had the for sure the best job of all of my friends when you know, I think when I, I, I was like, nah, I'm I'm worth I'm worth something right out of the gate. I think I started charging $20 a half hour. When I was twelve, this when I was twelve would have been like almost two thousand, like late nineties. So I came straight out of the gate, and I was like, "Oh, you working at Dairy Queen and getting a job at McDonald's or wherever you're at? Like, learn a skill." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you can tap into that, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and how did you get your jobs at twelve? I started them. I stayed. They were my own businesses, right? So, so I, how did you market? 
Oh, how did I market them? Um, so for the web design side, I started by sending, I would just can I would compose like Word documents and then print them out and mail them. It was all was very <laughs> direct mail sort of. And then I would I would walk around my neighborhood's downtown area and like just talk to people. For piano, I I used a lot of my mom's as a resource because my mom also was a business owner. She had a hair salon. And I found that's where I would get, that's where I would get my clients. And then it became word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So she, she would have her clients and they would have kids and then, oh, you, you, you teach piano now? Yes, I do. (laughs) Do you you have any interest in, in bringing your kids into lessons? And it, it, it built up. That's awesome. Do you still do that? I do. I don't do it at, you know, at the scale that I did, like right at actually right before the pandemic is I decided to walk away because I super burnt out, like beyond. It's interesting because you don't realize sometimes how burnt out you are when you really are doing what you love. Mm -hmm. It was just too much for too long. And then coupled with, I wound up in a really, really, um, really not good business relationship that it just, it had to be done. And so I got really burnt out and the pandemic happened, but I am still, I don't think I'll ever not teach. I do more on, um, I also teach voice and acting and I do more with that. I do a lot of college coaching, um, to help, to help musical theater students get into college. It's like more competitive than Harvard medical school, actually. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, statistically, statistically yeah. speaking, it is you are more likely to get into Harvard Med than you are into b- basically any musical theater program in the United States. Oh wow, interesting! Yeah. That's, yeah. that's an amazing, beautiful talent. I love that. So yeah. you were introduced to money very young. Your mom was a, a business owner. My mom was a, a my mom was a hairdresser as well. She owned her own. Oh yeah. Um, so. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So I love that. Yeah. So what was your first impression? I mean, $20 an hour back in 2000 for a half an hour. I mean, but coding, that was pretty website design. That's huge. I mean, even now today, it's still huge. And I've been seeing the prices fluctuate a great deal based on, I'm yeah. not, you know, based on if there's branding involved and like, you know, how much coding, how many pages and things like that. So what made you want to use that as one of your multiple income streams? Oh, I had no real sense of what money meant, I don't think. So when I priced, it was just, I did market research where I was like, I don't really know what to charge. And so I would just call around and say, I'm pretty sure I disguised myself and said like, I'm looking for piano lessons for my daughter. <laughs> Can you tell me more about it? Just to find out what, what what people were charging. And then I said, well, I'm brand new and I'm really young. So if they're charging, I don't know, $50 for a lesson, then that's probably too much for me. Like I'll start at half of that. Or I don't remember exactly right. how I did, but I really had no sense of what what is the right thing to, and I don't remember what resources were even available at that point. Like, could you do some type and, you know, now you can see on indeed what the salary index is, the range is or whatever. Um, but so I just started to ask around, like, what are people charging? And then for on the web design side, what I really was working toward and I got there was I wanted to work with other musicians and I wound up eventually custom coding. <laughs> Here's a blast from the past. I custom coded MySpace pages for band and eventually some like bands that you would probably know. Mm-hmm. And it was, and that was 
that was more like, I'm not going to give you a price. It was more, I'm responding to something and they're going to tell me what, what they've got in the budget. And we work out like what it's the scope of project. And at that point I had been, (laughs) I I was a couple years in at that point. So I knew how to look at it and say, I understand how many hours this is going to take. And this is what it's going to, this is what it's going to cost me time-wise to do and all that stuff. So it was a, a big lesson very early on. Yeah. It's something most, you know, 12, 13, 14 year olds aren't focusing on, you know, (laughs) I was, I was an isolated kid. I really liked it so much, better. I mean, I did, I had an active social life or whatever, but I spent a lot of time working because I genuinely loved it. Mm. It's fun. Yeah. That's unusual too. (laughs) I was a weird kid for sure. Yeah. Well, no, it's not weird. It's weird in a good way though. It's just like, you know, like in, I actually just saw an ad on Facebook or something where they're talking about entrepreneurs at 12 year olds and they had a kid with the headset on looking at the computer. And then that same kid, they were talking about thriving as an entrepreneur at 12. That same kid was, had a lemonade, you know, stand. Um, He had real lemons and he was making real homemade fresh lemonade and selling it, not that powdered stuff that you buy. And I thought, oh, that's so cool. And I remember um, when I was working at Social Security Administration, one of my coworkers' um, sons, he was an entrepreneur at heart. He was six years old and he was, I was there visiting them and he was making something to sell to the neighbors. And I was like, how old is he? He was like six. I'm like, he's an entrepreneur in the making. Like he has got naturally in his bones and uh, he's got to be a teenager by now. It's been several years. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely something like I I see lemonade stands still like, you know, pop up. I was walking my dog in a neighborhood and a little girl was selling um, these really cool homemade ornaments. And she just set up a stand at the end of her driveway. And like, they were like three for $10 and they were made on wood and, you know, decoupaged. And I'm like, oh, did you make this? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, wow, she was probably eight years old. So yeah. Yeah. So you see all these little different entrepreneurs pop up. And of course, like, you know, you got the the girls that are selling Girl Scout cookies and the boys are selling popcorn. I mean, (laughs) they're driven. (laughs) I love to, I I love to see it. And I, I went, um, I think it was a, it was a lemonade stand. It was at the end of last year. And I remember I went, I said, oh, this, you know, you, this is, did you build all of this? Is this yours? Did your parents help you? No, I did it all on my own. And then I never carry cash. So I remember being like, good for you. Like, I don't have any cash. And, and the kids said to me, you can Venmo, you can Venmo. (laughs) (laughs) I said, no kidding. I said, well, then sure. I'll buy, I'll, I'll buy some. And they said, and you can, and and I take tips. And I said, if you have the gall to ask me, you can Venmo me. And then I take tips. I'm going to give you a tip. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ask for what you want in this life. I love it. I love, and it was a little girl and it, I was like, I'm so here for that. I love it. That's amazing. I hope I'm no curious. one ever takes that spirit out of her. Yeah. Curious why you don't carry cash. Oh, that isn't, you know, I, the only real job, real job I've ever had was I did serve and, and bartend mm-hmm. and I, it freaked me out to carry cat like at the end of my shift I would go straight to the ATM and deposit it and I would only carry enough for just like basic expenses I don't there's something about carrying cash that like I'm so much more willing to spend it especially Mm -hmm. if it's smaller bills and so I just and then I just got in the habit and I never really never carried it after that 
Yeah, totally get that. I, I went through a phrase where it was like, I'm not carrying cash because, and then I won't, I wouldn't break a 20 because I would spend the 20 faster yep. if it was broken. Yep. Yep. But then I got to this, um, a point where when every time I had cash, when my kids were teenagers, all my money was gone. I was like, stop asking me for money. <laughs> Go get a job. <laughs> so I'm like, I know I won't carry cash and then they, I won't have any money to give them. And uh, it started to be a joke. And now we carry cash. We actually were, we made a, we have fun money. So we took our fun money out of the bank to go to a concert and they didn't take cash. I'm like, what do you mean you don't take cash? Cash is king. Really? No, you had to do all, uh, we had to convert. They had a machine where to convert your cash into a card. You had to use a card. You could have used your debit card or whatever. I'm like, are you kidding me? But yeah, they felt it was cleaner and safer and and this and that. And I'm like, that is, what are the processing fees on that? That's crazy. That's so, but a lot of like, um, a lot of the big venues like um, Bush Gardens and stuff, they went to cashless. So, and bar, it's not good for bartenders because, you know, you got to, all your tips are on the card and they don't get any cash. That's, I mean, that was like the highlight of the evening was let's count our money and see what we can do. Right. right. And yeah. now they've been away. It's so, interesting. That's, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you the last time I was in a theme park. So I <laughs> couldn't even, I couldn't even clock that one, but that's, yeah, that's, I know that there are still a lot of bars around here that are cash only. I wouldn't have thought of it the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, cash is good. I, I remember yeah. there was no credit back in the seventies and you know, I don't even can't remember when the first credit card came out. I mean, they had store credit, they had layaway and all of that, but we kind of got, you know, carried away. And now I, one of the money shows said that there was over a trillion dollar worth of debt in America. Americans were in so much debt and it's like, and then the interest rates are so high. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, we look at that. It's like, well, how is this going to affect my business? I think as entrepreneurs, we kind of get the tail end of it all because we're doing something completely different than what, uh, you know, brick and mortar is doing. So with the fluctuating in the, in the market, I mean, like I know during the pandemic, Online coaching, online services soared, obviously. I mean, everybody was online. We had to be. Have you seen a um have you seen a difference in your business as far as the highs and lows? Has it been pretty consistent for you? For me, it's been pretty consistent. From what I see with working with clients, I've seen a lot of fluctuation because I work with with people who were were in the industry either at the very beginning of the pandemic or prior. So all of their businesses went and and skyrocketed when everything started. Whereas I, I was late to the game. I didn't really come into the online space properly until about a year into the pandemic. And so I've sort of ridden, uh, like it's been pretty consistent. There's steady, steady, steady growth, which is more of what I'm used to. I also came into it with a completely different set of skills than I think a lot of people mm-hmm. do. And now I'm seeing more the coaches that I work, because I work with more than just coaches, where I'm seeing this, I don't know what even kind of, like if you thought about this as a graph where some are going up, some are going down. There's a distinct articulation and it's it's no longer a straight line it's are their businesses starting to come back and grow or now are we starting to see the drop off mm-hmm. i have thoughts on why that's happening but that's not what you asked <laughs> so yeah i have thoughts too it's all about the mindset right but yeah. I, I see a push of like you know a lot of you know coaches come on i want to make six seven eight nine figures right 
Yep. But they say they want to make it, but then they don't take the action steps because they oh. think, you know, nine to five, you know, it's pretty consistent. You're trading time for money. But then you come into entrepreneurial land and you, what, I do it all myself? Well, yeah, we all start at zero. You all start at zero. And then, of course, you change. And then if you don't get the right coaches, you know, they're not aligned. And then all of a sudden you're doing something you don't like and you don't love it. And it's like, well, I'm just going to go back to my nine to five because this isn't yep. working. Well, it's not oh, working because you're not aligned, you're not in harmony. And oh, it's really important. I know when my clients come to work with me, you know, as a wealth activator, they're like, I want to get to the next level. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Where do you want to, what do you want to earn? What do you want your owner's comp to be? And then we reverse engineer it and they look at it and then we're like, we do the rollout plan. Okay. This is where you can be. And, you know, take baby steps. It doesn't have to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, this instant success, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, where do you really want to be? Because you see it, but what's the purpose of being wealthy? You know, when I became a millionaire in 2019, I didn't even know it. I had no clue. <laughs> I, was, I, I had to, <laughs> I had to go back. I was featured in a mag. I'm going to be featured in a couple of magazines in December. And one of the magazines is she started promoting it. Mm. And, it and it, it bothered me. It was titled future. The graphic was titled future millionaires. And I'm like, I'm not a future millionaire. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I need to comment on this. So I went through my books and I said to my husband, I go, when did I become a millionaire? <laughs> Cause I have my own millionaire status separate from his. And he's like, well, I don't know. He goes, it's probably written down in this book. I'm like, okay. So it only went to 2021. I'm like, okay, how do I figure this out? So I went into my assets. I pulled it all up and figured yeah. out when I became a millionaire. When I hit that millionaire, of course, yeah, I exceeded it. And I was just like, oh, it's 2019. I don't know what month it was. And I was just like, cool. 2019 was great. And then I realized like what had like my mind shift, like I was reflecting back and like what happened and realizing so the reason why I didn't know is because all that money in my investments was for my future and my future hadn't arrived yet <laughs> I was like my future isn't here yet I'm still working my nine to five I ended up retiring two and a half years early and then I was like oh and I moved to my dream home at the beach and I'm like oh okay wait a minute and I totally got this different perspective about money and I was just like we need to talk because at the same time I had a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt and I was like why do I have debt I'm a financial coach like I should not I know better so mindset was like literally the crux of the whole thing like I was trying to fill this void from past trauma and that seems to be a buzzword in the industry right now this money trauma that we have and when I worked through it I became a certified aromatherapy practitioner I was like oh I can use the power of breath and scent to change my thoughts and to gain a new perspective on my relationship with money. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's how I date money was born, you know, and it, it is my baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's my baby. But when you think about that, that mindset, like I think mindset is used a lot and people think that, Oh, I'm just going to set my mind to it. And then it's just going to happen. Yeah. Not, not really. So when you're working with your clients about their mindset, like what's the one tool that you use to help them get that shift so that they can take the action to get the results that they desire? Yeah. So first of all, I want to yes. And what you said about like, everyone wants a seven figure business. Very few people are willing to do what it takes to have the seven figure business. It's a very quick distinction. So I don't, I don't particularly work with people who are that new because I think that's a whole, and that's tricky for me because it was so long ago that I even had to work through any of that mindset stuff that it's really difficult for me to relate to it again. Um, but my favorite mindset tool to use with clients is something called CTFAR. Do you know what that is? Yes, I do. 
I love CTFAR. Mm -hmm. So you said, you said my favorite phrase earlier, which is reverse engineering. We can reverse engineer anything. So whatever's blocking you, we can reverse engineer this too, to get to what you want and then reverse engineer what you want. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you look at circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results, we can look at where are things, where are things tripping you up? Where do you have a bottleneck? Where do you have, where are you having some prickly beliefs slip in? Because it's that thoughts and feelings are combining in there. That's what's creating your belief. And how can we start to take that back? You know, because the neutral circumstance is more likely than not something that is, is so easy to just, now we need to take it in a different direction. It's that, you know, oh, well, I haven't made my sales goal for the month. When we reverse engineer, when we look back on that, is it because you haven't had enough conversations? Because when you know your numbers, you know how many conversations you need to have in order to have, you know, get X number of sales calls in order to have X conversions to have, like, it's all, you can reverse engineer all of your numbers. And I think that goes back to mindset too. And I like to do that with CTFAR. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a powerful tool. It's a great tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And using that, you know, and I find money is a tool as well, you know, and a lot of people don't see money as a tool. They see it as a, you know, a means to an end and they're like, oh, I need money. And when they get a client, when they sell their, you know, their high ticket items, they're like, oh, I'm going to take all my money. I'm going to pour it back into my business. What would you say to that? I understand the intention. <laughs> I understand the intention of it. I also think, you know, it's not just, so first of all, I want you, I want you to make the money, but I also want you to keep the money. And then I want you to understand how to use the money. And most importantly, how can the money work for you? So there will be circumstances where, yes, we can put this back into the business so that it works for you in an intentional way. I think the the key that this comes down to for me is how can you use money with intent? If you look at every dollar through the lens of what is the purpose of this dollar or this $10 or this $100, what are we doing with this in an intentional, purposeful way? So you might be in a season where it makes the most sense to maybe have less go in one direction so that you can reallocate that money to come back into the business thousand percent you're going to have cycles where that is going to make more sense for you but to just default into no i think this is what i'm going to do there's not really intention behind it so what season are you are you in a season of growth or are you in a season of scale what those words are just so like just randomly thrown out there is sort of interchangeable they're not interchange. I'm not here to debate semantics, but like mm -hmm. I use those words very differently. You were new. I I have a little cute structure for it where I say, are we scaling? Are we skating or are we structuring? So do you want to traditionally scale, which is where we are going to make more, but we want to more intentionally use our resources so that we're using less of them at scale. Are we skating where we're just going to keep going along? We're going to grow and grow, but your resources are going to keep um, you know, you're expending resources along the way, or we structuring where we're using that money intentionally. This is where you would probably put more of it back in to create more alignment in your business so that it feels better to where you're at and what you want from it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that's a, that's a great analogy. And having a structure is so important. I always say yeah. you need an SOP for your backend money financial. Everything. Yes. And if you don't have that, it's going to feel like you're on this roller coaster and you're, you know, a lot of times entrepreneurs will grow too fast. They'll build out their teams and, you know, 90% of the businesses could fail within the first five years because they've grown too fast. And yes. if they don't fail, they end up laying off all their staff and that creates a whole nother mindset game that they have to play with themselves and yes. the feeling worthy and, and confident and all that. So great. Yes. And I love that, that perspective. The, can I add two things off of that? No, <laughs> no, no way. Absolutely. No, no more insight <laughs> is to the SOP. Like, please create SOPs for everything. Yes. Thank love you. An SOP. Love an SOP. Seriously. <laughs> we need an SOP for everything. And if you, if you do have team, your team can help you create the SOPs. If it's like nails on a chalkboard for you, that's okay. But anywhere to that point, anywhere you feel frustration in your business, it's because of a lack of system. Mm -hmm. I'm going to shout that from the rooftop that I mean, 99 times out of a hundred, 999 times out of a thousand, it's going to be where you feel frustration in your business. If it's monetary frustration, if it's frustration with your team, if it's frustration with your sales, because you don't have a system in place. Mm -hmm. So let's create the system for it because that's, you know, it's a well-oiled machine until it's not, you know, that's the big, that's, that's the big point around creating as creating an SOP and making sure that you have, have structure in place, but also to the point of when you hire too fast, the, I think that there are far too many people out, the, the gurus on the internet that say, hire before you're ready, hire before you're ready, hire before. I disagree completely mm -hmm. and totally with that. I understand the sentiment of it, but I don't think it's helpful because it doesn't give enough context to what's actually going, like it's terrible blanket advice. Mm -hmm. So, and I also, this is not, a, it's not passing judgment on anything. Like I'm not, I've never done this and it's not the way I teach doing things of like hiring really inexpensive outsourced labor from overseas. And so when I think about building a team, it is going to have a little bit more of a cost to it because it's not the $5 or the $7 an hour VA. No, no, no shame, no judgment, no anything to, to any of that. It's just not for me. And it's not what my clients are doing. And instead of hiring when you're ready, hire when it hurts, <laughs> you know, like, not when it hurt because everything's a total disaster and it's now crisis, crisis, fire, fire. But if you get to the point where it hurt, you don't have time to do the things that are actually going to move the, the growth trajectory of your business. That's a really good indication that it's time to hire someone. Not this, well, I've got extra money. Now I've got, you know, I've got the extra $2,000 a month. I can bring some, I can bring on a social media manager. I could really go down a rabbit hole of, of yeah. all the reasons that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Or it's very likely going to be a bad idea. And then you're, and then you're shocked when that person, like your voice starts to get watered down and you feel like you're just holding people's hands and you don't have money <laughs> at the end of the day to pay yourself. <laughs> so yeah, hire, hire, hire when it hurts, not necessarily before you're ready. I love that. That's an amazing tip because a lot of times people will do that. They're like, yeah. I, I was listening to a podcast interview the other day, I specifically on that. And it was just like, you know, hire right off the gate because you want somebody to take care of this and that. And I'm like, hmm, interesting mm -hmm. perspective. And I look at it from a financial point of view. I'm like, okay, well, as your wealth activator, how is this going to help your business grow if you do hire this person? Exactly. Yeah. How much time is it going to take you? And like you said, it's wonderful to support people wherever they're at. Yes. But, you know, you want to look at that value too, because if you have to spend 20, 30 hours training somebody 
And there's, you know, a barrier because of different, you know, you need to be aligned with your and all that. So I love that. So what's your favorite way to enjoy your money? Ooh, travel. That's an, that's easy. I, if I'm going to spend money, I'm going to spend it on experience. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't care about designer bags and fancy clothes. As you can tell, (laughs) I'm really, I'm really styling today. Um, like I, I don't, I don't care to spend, I, I love to buy gifts. I'm a, I'm very much a gift giver, but beyond that, like, I don't want stuff for myself. I want, I want to travel. I'm to a point where I want to travel, uh, in comfort. Mm -hmm. I will, if the flight is going to be longer than four hours, I want it to be first class (laughs) and yeah, I I'm willing to spend on food, I think is an experience and yeah, I want take me places, culture and experience. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. So tell us, um, a little bit about your offer. Yeah. So, um, it's called sustainable growth lab and it's for, it's, if you, you should probably be at least pacing six figures if you primarily work with coaches. So coaches are probably going to start feeling this a little bit beyond six figures where your sales feel relatively consistent. And now we want to do it where it's not taking, you as the primary driver of uh, traffic leads and conversions. So where you are no longer the primary as where you are no longer the primary asset of the business for maintaining a growth trajectory. Um, and it's a 12 month long consulting program because I firmly believe that it takes time to develop operational structure because that's really what we're building is infrastructure for growth. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want to learn more about it, I do free trainings almost every week, at least through the end of this year, but I'll probably continue it into next year um, where you can get a little bit of an introduction to the way that I think about the systems that go behind building infrastructure that will scale. So you can do what's already working for you at scale through team structure and systems. Um, and you can register for that at solpreneur.co, not.com, solpreneur.co slash training. Perfect. Thank you so much. And uh, what's your, what's a financial tip that you can share with the audience that would help them take a simple action step to get a little micro result? Ooh, one simple action step would be, it's interesting because your it's, it's the name of your podcast is to, is to learn to take regular money dates mm-hmm. with yourself and to really get comfortable, get comfortable with the discomfort if you feel discomfort, but hopefully that will grow into no longer being discomfort of getting really, really familiar with your numbers. Know them. Do, do you know the girl math trend that's going around right now? No, I don't think so. There's this girl yeah. math trend that's, it's like, oh, wait, math. I saw a TikTok on it <laughs> it's about like the target. Her, she was talking to her husband and it was like, yeah, th- so I saved $10. This was $20 and it cost me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but tell us, because I'm sure you can explain yes. better than I only saw one video. No, it's, I mean, that's the concept. It's this idea of, well, if it's included someplace else, it's free or that there's some, like, it's just, it's where it just doesn't all add up. Right. It's, gonna, it's this make it make sense sort of mentality. And my version of girl math is knowing your conversion rate so that you can reverse engineer what you want to actually have to make it work for you and know what your profit margins are so that you can make your money work for you and keep more of it so that you can make more intentional decisions around what you're doing in your business, which offers are making you the most money so that if the ones that aren't making you as as much money, you can make the intentional decision of, 
but this is my passion project and I want to keep doing it? Or does it make more sense to allocate my resources elsewhere? So get really comfortable. Take yourself on a money date. Do um, the most, whatever for you feels luxurious and like it would be really invigorating and like you would feel really good doing if it's doing this in a bubble bath or taking yourself on, you know, booking a night in a hotel or whatever that looks like for you so that it, you start to associate positive, uh, there's like positive reinforcement around doing mm-hmm. the things with your books that maybe don't feel so, so comfortable sometimes mm-hmm. and um, do it like once a month and get used to knowing what your numbers are so that you can make more intentional decisions. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And I'm just going to have to add, we date money weekly because we want to, we love money. Money loves to be crushed Ooh, on. Love it love it. Love it, it wants to have the red carpet rolled out because yeah. when you do that, when you actually have a partnership with money, more money comes your way. It's, it's energetic. It comes yeah. to you because it knows it's wanted. And if you imagine money as a person and you're treating it, how are you treating your money? Right. Yes. If you treat it like the king and you're the queen and you're in this partnership, it just energetically comes and creates that reciprocal energy of giving and receiving. So thank you so much for being here, for sharing your expertise and all the things that you've done. It's uh, incredible. I love all the the multi-passions that you have. And if you are listening, please check the show notes to connect with Adrienne. Um, find out what she's all about. And if you need piano lessons or whatever, she's got a lot of things <laughs> done. So don't call her for piano lessons. But uh, <laughs> so check out, you know, if you're ready at that point where you want to you step back in your business. You know, I interviewed a woman the other day, her name's going to escape me, but she does exit plans for business owners. So maybe you're at the point where you want to create that exit plan. You want to build it out so that your business is sellable. You're going to need Adrian to help you get you there. Right. And then you can, I'll throw that other one in the show notes. I'll have my assistant get it for me, but your business will be worth way more. If you can show it to a buyer that like, look, I don't need to be here and it will still make money going to make that sale way more money. Yeah. And because really think about what's your, what's your buck, what's your bucket list? What's on your bucket list for your money is what do you want to do in the next five years? You know, if you're closer, you know, I can say if you're 50 or older, you want to start thinking about the exit plan, right? Or maybe you're just starting and this is your, your, you want to give back. And so where are you at? Know your core values and you can check out the CTFAR. We'll put that in the show notes too. You can use it as a great tool to help you connect your thoughts, which are one of your most powerful tools that you have to get the results that you want. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, 
it's what you do with it.